This week, we welcome beverage veteran Brad Taylor to the Marketing Chief Podcast. Among Brad's career highlights, he led the Coca-Cola Company's relationship with the Walt Disney Company for a decade. Now that Brad is a brand consultant and university marketing professor, he reveals great career advice for anyone in the marketing discipline. Grab a Coke and a smile for this week's Marketing Chief Podcast. Welcome to the Marketing Chief Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Collins. If you'd like to watch this podcast instead of just listen to it, head over to our website and click on the Episodes tab at marketingchiefpodcast.com or search for us on YouTube. Today, I'm pleased to welcome Brad Taylor, owner of Taylor Built Brands and a former Coca-Cola executive. Brad, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Rob. Great to be here. Great to join you. Great to see you again. Uh, yeah, I look forward to this. This is going to be fun. You have such a great career. Give us a little insight about what you're doing now, and then let's take a look back at kind of how you got started into marketing. Yeah, I'm semi-retired, so what do I do? I am a part-time college professor, and I'm very proud to say that. I enjoy that so much. I teach marketing courses at Kennesaw State University, as well as Emory University. So again, I'm part-time, so I generally teach one, sometimes two classes a semester. Uh, generally, before COVID, was in the classroom live and in person with a large class, and uh, that's where I get my energy. Uh, I love being in the classroom with college students. Um, sure. You know, COVID came and having to switch to online classes wasn't near as much fun, uh, but I made it work. Uh, but I am glad to hear that come fall, I'll be back in the classroom and all of my students will be in the classroom with me. So excellent. Uh, Part-time college professor. Uh, and then I also do a little bit of consulting. You mentioned my, my consulting business, Taylor Built Brands. Uh, I do a little bit of consulting here and there, helping small businesses kind of polish their, their brand strategy, their brand positioning, kind of, you know, help them create uh, marketing plans, whatever their, their, whatever their needs are, really. Mm -hmm. I do a little bit of that. I do a fair amount of consulting via the telephone with investment firms that you know are doing a lot of research and they want to learn more about the beverage category or Coca-Cola or you know other companies in the industry that I spent so much time in. So do a little bit of consulting, a little bit of phone consulting, part-time teacher, what are the classes? Yeah, so uh, at Kennesaw State University, I've been teaching Principles of Marketing, which is a requ required class for all Coles College of Business students. And typically those classes that I teach, I have anywhere from 60 to 75 students. So that's kind of your big lecture. Uh, Principles of Marketing. So it's, you know, the four P's that we all learned a long time ago. And, you know, having spent my entire career in the industry, I have you know, a lot of stories and a lot of uh, examples of applying, you know, all those principles of marketing. So I think the students really enjoy that. Uh, and it, it, and I certainly enjoy sharing uh, my experience and stories. So that's one class I teach. And then also teach uh, what is called a special topics class or a marketing elective. And I actually got to create this class. Um, so I built it from scratch. And I call it uh, brand strategy, right? And it's it's all about 
understanding how to kind of take a brand and position it so that it can effectively compete and win in the marketplace. And so uh, I've, I've kind of put a lot of the things I do from a consulting perspective, I kind of built that into this class that I teach. Um, and uh, I mean, I keep getting great reviews from this class and, and um, well, you're an engaging guy, of course, I, I would expect well, nothing less. But the content, I mean, the students are finding it very helpful. And, and it, not only do they find it helpful in terms of, hey, I can see how I can apply these principles uh, for any business that I might go to work for. But we also touch on the importance of building your personal brand. And so they really get uh, a lot out of that. Uh, and, and so uh, those are the two courses that I have that I teach at Kennesaw State. And then at Emory, um, I've taught an MBA class at Emory, brand and product management. Uh, that was a fair amount of work, uh, uh, but I enjoyed it. And then I, I teach a pre-college class at Emory, which is high school students kind of getting a taste of the college experience. And so I create created that class as well. And that's basically introduction to branding and marketing. That's fun. So that's kind of the 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 CS women from a, a teaching perspective. A couple of years ago, I think you shared with me one of the books that you're using or or were using in the class. The Love Brands by Graham Robertson. You got it. I have it right here because I bought it uh, after you told me about it. I love that book. I and, and the, the, I might have shared the story. Uh, maybe Graham will even listen to this podcast, but I've never met Graham. He and I started following each other on Twitter years ago, probably 15 years ago. And then um, I just I just love the way he thinks about brand strategy. And uh, when I retired from Coca-Cola and I knew I was going to be teaching, I thought about you know this brand strategy class that I'd love to teach. And I thought immediately of Graham, you know, and his principles. And about the same time he published that book. And so I reached out to Graham, I'm like, so, you know, odd question, I'm gonna be teaching this class and I'd love to make your new book a required textbook for the class, but I don't really wanna to have to create all that content. So do you have maybe some PowerPoint slides that you could send my way so that I could easily teach the content that's in your book? And, he responded back immediately, and this was all via LinkedIn. He responded back immediately saying, absolutely, love to do it. Give me a couple of weeks and, and I'll have them over to you. So I, I've been using his PowerPoint slides as the primary content for this class that I teach. And obviously the book is a required textbook and the students absolutely love the book. Uh, so yeah, I'm a big fan of Graham's book. I'm a fan too. Once you kind of pointed me in that direction, the thing I find about it, the subtitle is, a playbook for how to build a brand your con consumers will love. It is a playbook. It, it is, is so practical that I would encourage, honestly, anybody at any level in marketing to look at this because even if you're a senior level executive, I was a CMO when you pointed this out to me and I'm like, oh, this is, you know, there's great stuff in here. Some of it's good reminders, some of it's good pointers, some of it's good ways to position branding and strategy to the board or the CEO, et cetera. Um, beloved brands, Graham Robertson, uh, free plug there, but highly recommend it. Glad you're still using that and I'm glad you turned me on to it. Yeah. And, and again, the students love it. So it's a big hit. 
while we're on kind of an educational bent for just a minute, there's another book that I've used that I really liked that I'll just point people to as well. It's called The CMO Manifesto. And this is a great book. It's by John Ellett. And this is a great book. It's called the subtitles 100 Day Action Plan for Marketing Change Agents. And so if you're new into a role that may be a little over your head, or you know, maybe your first time CMO, or maybe you've gotten more responsibility, it's a great way to kind of say, hey, here are markers that I need to have. Here are how I'm going to achieve those markers. And here's how to communicate those markers. But I love so much that you are taking a varied and deep career and put it into the next generation. I think that's so important. When I retired from Coke, it's like, well, I'm, I'm, I can't be done working. I, I mean, there's only so much golf a person can play. <laughs> I've got to have something else to keep me occupied. And I uh, had the opportunity when I was working at Coke many years, there's a very tight relationship between the Coca-Cola company and Emory University. And I've had the opportunity to speak to a number of classes and, I kind of realized as I was doing that, it's like, I could really see myself doing this as kind of chapter two of my career. And um, uh, I'm just really blessed and fortunate that it's come to fruition and it's something I, I truly, truly enjoy. Well, again, I, you have the, the great personality for it, but you also have such relevant experience that I'm sure the kids just eat that up. When you have college level students, what are you finding that are maybe the most challenging for them to understand about marketing? And where are they most prepared and where are they least prepared as they start entering the workplace? The, the thing about marketing today, as you very well know, is it's much more complicated than it ever was. I mean, there are so many more options to engage consumers and certainly digital marketing, social media marketing, um, experiential marketing, influ influencer marketing. I mean, there, there's just, it's so much more complicated than it was certainly when I graduated college. Um, so part of that is just kind of understanding all the different aspects of marketing and the areas of expertise. Um, and, and someone can say, I'm in marketing. And the first question is, what form? What type? Yeah, what, what are you doing? There's so many facets. Right, so, you know, marketing, uh, is again, much more uh, complex today. So I, the first question, you know, what I get students who are like, well, I'm a marketing major. I think I really can see myself being in marketing, but I don't know which area of marketing I should be focused on. Mm -hmm. and, and so I get that question a lot. And my response to that is my advice to students uh, you know, first job out of college, get a job where you can be exposed to all facets of marketing and try not to get yourself pigeonholed into any one particular area. Uh, and, and that's easier said than done, right? Because that's right. You know, there are a lot of jobs out there in the digital marketing space, social media marketing space. So part of it is get a job, any job, so you have a job. But I, I encourage students to kind of look for opportunities where you're going to be exposed to the, the entire breadth of marketing uh, so that you kind of get a sense for how it all works together. Um, so I, I call that big M marketing right. uh, versus just you know siloed uh, marketing tactics, uh, so to speak. So 
the thing I try to tell students is what you need to learn is how to learn. Yeah. Have have an appetite for learning, have an appetite for flexibility. And that's one thing I think this generation is very adept at because they've had to deal with so much technology and so much change that they would seem from an outside. And I don't know if you see this in the classroom. From from the outside it would seem like, hey, these guys are are ready to change and adapt and pivot. Yeah, I you know, I think probably the biggest change is, you know, today it's all about engaging consumers when, where, and how they want to be engaged. That's right. Not, you know, 30 years ago when I graduated college, it was, we're going to engage consumers on network television and radio and out of home. That's it. That's it. Those were our options. Um, but today it's, you know, you, you have to know your consumer and you have to know where, when, and how are they going to be open to engaging you and, and, and communicating with you, not just listening to you, but communicating with you. That's the difference, I, I think. Well, sure. Now there's a there's a feedback loop. There's a two way communication. And consumers expect that they they expect to have those conversations with you. That's right. Which never happened in the past. That is such a a dramatic shift from pushing a message out as a marketer to having consumers right. in some some ways in some brands, not all they are helping to define that brand. Now, I, I don't agree that that's you don't want to you don't want a customer to define what your brand is, but you do want to listen to your customer and your audience and adjust and oh, yeah. and make those things. So let's start earlier in your career. Um, you started agency side. Is that right? You know, I spent my early years of my career in the agency business, which was kind of what I'd studied in college and always on the account management side. And you know, as I uh, matured and started thinking about getting married and starting a family and it's like, okay, well, I love the agency business. Uh, it's not the most stable business on the planet. And so I began thinking about maybe someday I'd like to, you know, jump over to the client side. And uh, it just so happened as I, as I was beginning to think about that, I got a call from a recruiter about a job you know, working for Pizza Hut in their marketing group, regional marketing manager for Pizza Hut. And the job was here in Atlanta, so I wouldn't have to move. And I'm like, okay, well, I'll give that a shot. So I went through that interview process and, uh, you know, got the job and accepted the job. And so I jumped ship from agency to, you know, marketing for, you know, a big brand, Pizza Hut, brand. Uh, which at the time was part of PepsiCo. But yeah, I got into marketing at, at Pizza Hut and, and that went, uh, I, I, I loved it. I, I loved the challenge. Um, I loved being able to think about kind of every aspect of marketing and how we use every aspect of marketing to drive business results. And this is one of the things I remind my students all the time you know, when you go to work for a company, you get paid to deliver results. You don't get paid for effort. That's so, right. and so things were going uh, really well at, at Pizza Hut and, and they actually, um, they asked me if I would be willing to move to Wichita, Kansas for as a promotion, right? Uh, which Wichita is where Pizza Hut was headquartered at the time. We trekked out West to Wichita and, and uh, I, I had the opportunity to launch Pizza Hut delivery on a national basis. That that was 
kind of what the job was. Loved everything about that job. But you know, the other thing I, I tell my students uh, often is, you know, there's more to life than a job. And you've got to make sure that you um, are happy in your life outside of work. And my wife and I just weren't happy in Wichita, Kansas. And I'm not mm-hmm. knocking at Wichita, but it just wasn't for us. And uh, ended up uh, leaving my job at Pizza Hut to come back to Atlanta, back to the agency space uh, for a period of time. I, then I got a call from another recruiter about this job at the Coca-Cola company. After a very long uh, process, I was selected for that role. Uh, going to work for the Coca-Cola company in their global headquarters in downtown Atlanta. And, um, you know, 24 years I was there. Uh, I actually spent more time in that office building than I've spent in any home I've ever lived in. What a great opportunity. Yeah, you know, I often get the question, so what did I like most about working for the Coca-Cola company? And it, it really came down to, I mean, the number one thing is, Coca-Cola can get an audience with anyone mm-hmm. uh, just because the the name uh, and the clout that it carries. And so uh, that was the that combined with the the just the abundance, the embarrassment of resources that a company like Coca-Cola has, uh, you know, was never told, no, I can't pursue something or do something because of a lack of funds or a lack of resources. I mean, if you create a business case, you know, the money, the resources were there. So it's kind of a marketer's dream come true when you're not saddled with, we just don't have the resources to do that. Brand clout resources together. Right. Then it's on you to be creative. Mm-hmm. Right. It's not, it's not just about buying more meeting, buying more points. How do you then be innovative? How do you break through the cloud? How do you do something different? You have no excuses, right? Because you have the resources in the cloud. That's a different kind of pressure, but it's a fun kind of pressure. Right, right. Yeah. And I think, you know, so I started as a what's called a customer marketing manager. So think of this as kind of the bridge between all those brands and all those marketing resources that the Coca-Cola company has and our customers, you were one of them, uh, that, that may not have all those resources, right? And so our job as customer marketing managers, we're, we're almost like we were consultants to our customers and trying to really understand what their business issues and opportunities uh, were and, and how could we leverage our brands and our marketing resources and our marketing programs to help them build their business because in doing and helping them build their business, they grow more loyal to the Coca-Cola company. And so in a world where uh, certainly in the food service and on-premise division, it's about, uh, you know, exclusivity is like, and you know, from your days at Hershey and Family Entertainment is like, you know, a number of our partners have exclusive beverage agreements and we always wanted those to be with Coca-Cola. And so That's we right. had to uh, work really hard to make sure we were earning that business and keeping that business. I love the kind of the consulting aspect of, of that job. It kind of reminded me a lot of working for the, the, the agency in the agency world. Sometimes I think an agency can be a, a bit disconnected from the business results. Yes. And Coke was not Coke because they are partner with you because building your business helps them 
pour more gallons. You guys were very much into the metrics and driving, you know, more occasions, frankly. Well, and in a lot of instances, we were much more focused on their beverage business than they were, and we would bring them data and analysis and which led to opportunities. It's like, look, if you can just grow your beverage business by a couple of additional points, here's how much additional profit you can make. And, mm -hmm. they, you know, you, you remember, they have so many other things to be worried about. You know, worrying about how do we grow our beverage business was not always on the top of their priority list. That's right. Because if you were, I'll take theme parks as an example, because I worked in that realm for a while with Coke you're focused on so many things other than just how many gallons of beverage you can pour, right. right? You're trying to get extra visits, you're trying to get merchandise, you're trying to get all these other things. It helps so much to have a partner like Coke who smart, intelligent, data. Hey, if you guys approve this, we'll run with it. And that that's what makes Coke a great partner. Yeah. And then you mentioned probably the best job I had at Coca-Cola in, in that 24 year stint, I, I had the opportunity to lead our relationship with the Walt Disney Company on a global basis. And uh, I'm, I mean, think about it. You're working for the Coca-Cola company, managing the Disney business, you know, two of the biggest brands in the globe. In the world, right. Together. And uh, I was just so blessed and fortunate to, to be able to have that job. And I, I stayed in that job for 10 years uh, because as you can imagine, there was a significant amount of fun that was had there. Yes, uh, learning opportunities by working alongside people at the Walt Disney Company is a whole different level of creativity. Um, and so being able to travel the globe and, and, and importantly, wearing two different hats. So depending on who I was talking to at the Walt Disney Company, I either had my sales hat on or I had my marketing hat on. Mm -hmm. And so that really helped you know, kind of spur for me, kind of the love for both sales and marketing. It was a hybrid job. And it's just something that, uh, gosh, I enjoyed so much and learned so much. Um, and to this day, I would argue it's one of the best jobs for anyone uh, on the planet. Top two brands doing amazing things, traveling the globe. Doesn't sound too bad. Is there a specific challenge or opportunity that you worked on that you look at and go, you know, of the 24 year career, man, I really loved working on X. Yeah, so I'll say the things that I absolutely enjoyed the most. So creating some of the branded experiences that Coca-Cola has within Disney parks. So mm -hmm. Club Cool and Epcot, if you're if you've ever been there, okay. it's actually one of the most visited attractions inside Epcot. And you know, that was what I got to do. Uh, created that working with Walt Disney Imagineering. So really proud of that. Uh, I, my wife and I were just talking about, hey, we need to go back down to Epcot soon and check that out. Um, so creating those kind of Coca-Cola branded uh, uh, experiences inside Disney parks was just phenomenal experience. The relationship with Coke was always strong because you had quality people with integrity, that were just wonderful to deal with. Yeah, I think that, you know, that was ingrained upon me at the very beginning is, you know, you know, Coca-Cola, and I think to this day, they, they fundamentally believe they are in the relationship business. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. stronger relationships you have with your customers or your partners, 
the better you're going to be. And so they prioritize, you know, building, nurturing, feeding those relationships to make sure that the, their business stays healthy. So it, it, it's a relationship game. People think big companies never make mistakes. Disney ever, never makes mistakes. Coke never makes mistakes, et cetera. Prior to both of our careers, Coke came out with new Coke. Yep. Mm -hmm. What lessons for marketers coming up? Is that even a case study that you talk about at all where here's a company that came out with a new formula that didn't work and, and what are the lessons? Do you, is, yeah. that, is that even relevant these days or, or not so much? It is, and the lessons learned. Um, so I think the, the big lesson learned from that was understanding how consumer, you know, how much validity is there in consumer research, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. Coca-Cola did a lot of consumer research before they decided to change the formula. Mm -hmm. But that research was based on consumers tasting small samples of the new formula. And consumers were like, yeah, I like this, right? Mm -hmm. But consumers were never told that this will replace the original Coca-Cola, right? That wasn't part of the research plan. And so the research suggested that, yes, consumers like the taste of new Coke and they would be willing to buy it and drink it. But once it hit the shelves and the original formula went away, consumers revolted. And it was like, well, no, no, no. That, that was not what we intended here. Uh, we want our original Coca-Cola. And so the, the lesson learned there is you know, be very careful in how you build your research study and what, it, what problem are you truly trying to solve? Yeah, use business, business acumen and filters to validate, you know, look at the research in a different way. If you ask customers, you know, does your product cost too much? Yeah, it does. Why? Because they would love it for free, but you can't build a business that way. So how do you use those insights and apply it in a logical way? Throughout the years, Coca-Cola advertising has obviously been front and center. Yeah. Any of the slogans that are particularly meaningful to you or that you liked? Not necessarily an advertising campaign, but share a Coke, you know, mm -hmm. buy bottles with names on them, which is very cool, very innovative. Right. It seemed like, okay, that's not that big of an idea. That was a huge marketing idea. And it, it had significant positive business results for the company. And, and so that one I, I talk about as a case study in all of my classes, um, you know, a full, fully integrated marketing campaign around this idea of share a Coke. And, and it's, it wasn't called buy a bottle of Coke with your name on it. It was called share a Coke because the idea was, and still is, buy somebody else a bottle mm -hmm. of Coke. Mm -hmm. uh, and you can see how that would grow sales and consumption when you're out and about and you're seeing all these bottles with your friend's name on them. It's like, well, I better get one because he may not find it. And so it just led to incremental purchases so it, it's just, in my opinion, it's an example of a brilliant marketing idea that was brought to life in a fully integrated and just amazing way. Um, so I, I remember that campaign um, 
as, as being one of the best. You recently shared an article on LinkedIn, which I thought was interesting, which which was said that that customers are becoming more indifferent to brands. Yeah. What are the implications for marketers and, and how do marketers stand out and, and get engagement for their product yeah, or service? You know, today's generation, um, you know, younger consumers today are looking to do business with brands and only brands who stand for something other than making money. Mm-hmm. And, and they just, they expect brands to have a point of view. They expect brands to deliver something that will meaningfully improve society. And so the brands that um, organically believe that and do that stand to win. And the brands that don't really have a purpose that's visible above and beyond just making money, you know, consumers are like, well, yeah, look, I can buy a private label version of that for cheaper. So what? I don't need to buy that brand. Mm-hmm. And that brand does nothing to improve our society. So I, I don't have any I don't have any use for that brand. Right. Mm-hmm. But you look to the brands. I don't know. Patagonia comes to mind uh, as a brand who has a stated purpose and that's organic to what how the brand started and why the brand started. Sure. It has a purpose to improve our society and, and consumers see that. And they're like, I understand their purpose. I agree with their purpose. I'm going to jump on board with this brand because they're doing this. And so brands who have, and I, I say organic because it can't just be the cause of the day. Like you can't just be a brand and all of a sudden you're going to jump on this bandwagon because it's the cause of the day. And it's like, well, if I do this, consumers are going to love me. It's like, well, guess what? Consumers see right through that. And they're like, okay, you're just trying to use this as a marketing tactic to get us to buy you. It's like, you don't really believe that. You don't walk the walk. Um, so yeah, I, I'm pretty passionate about, like you, you gotta have a purpose that is organic uh, to your business and, uh, and it is helping society. Those are the brands that are gonna win um, today and into the future, I believe. It's a common thread with several of the guests that we've had on about being authentic as a brand, be authentic to who you are, have a position, have a point of view, right. and be authentic to that. Right. And to, to your point, when companies go in and out of positions based on the, the issue of the day and the way the winds are, are blowing, um, customers see through that. Yeah, it's like brands, brands have to know what do they stand for, and they have to stay consistent with that. And so they've got to walk the walk as they're talking the talk. So we're coming close to our time here. Uh, anything that anyone that inspires you that that you listen to podcast wise or, or mentor or anything like that, that you would recommend to others? Oh, my gosh, uh, so many. Uh, I, I'm actually I'm going to go back to Graham Robertson. I'm going to give him another plug. Um, I have of all the books that I read throughout my career, I, that's the one that has just resonated the most with me. And I think mm-hmm. part of that is I'm a simple-minded guy. Like, I like just keep it simple, right? And he, he's done a brilliant job of that. And as mm-hmm. you related to, it's, um, 
it's a, it's a book that is extremely helpful and it's not just it's not filled with theories it's filled with templates and tools and practices that can actually you can actually apply uh to build your business so mm -hmm. uh and it's so interesting that i'm i'm the biggest fan of graham and i've never met the guy uh well maybe after this podcast you will maybe i will right uh, <laughs> how about apps or websites or anything that i'm a big proponent of linkedin uh linkedin is my number one news feed uh as it relates to kind of the world of marketing um i, I learn so much just by seeing what other people post and and, I, and i'm also searching out there for content that i can add to linkedin um I, I, so I'm a big believer in LinkedIn and, and the thing I tell my students and I, I actually teach uh, kind of a workshop on here's how to think about LinkedIn as a significant tool to help you build your career. In order to uh, kind of extract value from LinkedIn, you have to deliver value, right? That's right. You're right. If the more value you deliver on LinkedIn, the more value you will then be able to extract from LinkedIn and the network, the great network that you uh, can build there. So um, I, I can't, I don't have enough positive things to say about LinkedIn. So for companies looking to carve out their own and try to figure out their brand, tailorbuiltbrands.com? Yeah, tailorbuiltbrands.com. You know, I'd be glad to kind of help anyone. Again, the, kind of the idea of sharpening your brand positioning, how, figuring out how to make you just a little bit more uh, effective in the marketplace and understanding what kind of results you're trying to uh, deliver. And again, we all get paid to deliver results, uh, not efforts. So yeah, I'd be glad to, to help those companies that are looking to do that. Great, so check out Taylor Belt Brands. And if you're a student of Brad Taylor's, if you like this podcast or subscribe, I'm sure he'll give you a few extra points. Yeah, extra credit. <laughs> Hey, Brad, thanks so much for joining us today on the Marketing Chief Podcast. What a pleasure to reconnect with you and, and have you on and, and just hear your perspective. It's been great. So much fun, Rob. Thank you so much. If you like what you hear on the Marketing Chief Podcast, be sure to subscribe or follow on your favorite podcast app or YouTube and give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. We'll see you next time on the Marketing Chief Podcast. <laughs>